Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, can you hear me? Yay! (laughs) Oh my God, you had a baby! Hi, my name's Jonathan Harden and you're listening to the Honest Actors Podcast, kind of. These are some lockdown special edition chats. Today I'm putting out four chats in total, two lockdown themed chats with people who've already had their kind of standard Honest Actors treatment on the podcast. And I've gone all the way back to 2015. I've got Denise Goff in this particular episode and I've got Tom Goodmanhill in another that's also out today. But besides that, I've also got two brand new interviews with two people who've never been on the show before. More of that traditional honest actors kind of conversation that you're used to. And they're out today as well. So four things to listen to. This is Denise. It's my third chat with Denise for this podcast. So massive thanks to her for her continued willingness to participate. For now though, all I have to say is it's good to be back. Thanks for listening. And here it is, Denise Goff. Enjoy. So, Oh, Jonathan, that is just happy fucking days. Hilarious, isn't it? Who would have thunk? You have a baby. Who would have thunk? I know. Absolutely. I'm really happy. I'm really happy about that. And Uh, I love how casually you dropped it into your email. I was like, hang on. No, but it's one one of those things where we don't do... well, we do do social, like we're all on Twitter and stuff, but we're very rarely on Twitter. Like there's a, yeah, there's, a yeah. there's something on there that sometimes we look at most of the time we don't. And uh, I think we, without actually talking about it, we somehow came to a silent consensus that we wouldn't, he's not, we didn't announce we were pregnant. We didn't put up a grainy scan. Yeah. I mean, times. I think that's good. Well, I think because we had, and I have never made any secret of this because I think it's a it's unnecessary taboo. Uh, we had not found that journey to having a family the easiest road. I remember you told me and that was the last thing we spoke about. I was think. It? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. yeah I mean, actually, at the, the end of the chat. So, so kind of in a way, we were like, do you know what? I know some people who go through real difficult times, and they can look at other people's scans and be genuinely happy for them. But I know that there were times whenever. I would just be like, oh, would you stop posting pictures of your kid? Because, and I actually didn't, and this doesn't make, paint me in a particularly nice light, but I actually did unfollow tons of people at one point. One person in particular who's a good friend because they just kept on posting pictures of their kid and I couldn't really emotionally cope with it. And so we made a decision early on that, uh, actually it wasn't the decision, like I said, I just think we both felt it, was, it wasn't it was us. And so 
There's been no photographs on Facebook. There's been no announcements. So oddly, it's one of those brilliant things. It's like going back in time to the time whenever you met someone and they genuinely, they asked how you are and they genuinely didn't know. Like they hadn't been keeping tabs. Um, the conversation didn't start with, I see you were eating out at that place. Uh, yeah, you know, so true. You know, bullshit so that you start these conversations. It's like, you know, what dramatists call in media res, you know, that kind of just halfway through a story. So uh, yeah. I see you were doing it. Like, so it's been genuinely, what's the crack? Oh yeah, we've moved back to Belfast. Um, we have a eight month old and uh, it's like, people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, and you the, know, the, I love it. I love it because I'm not on any social media, so I don't know what anyone's doing anymore. So when I do get in touch with people or people get in touch with me, it feels old fashioned and I really like it. Yeah, no, but that's because you realize you realize that friendships can and relationships and uh, all of that, they can sustain themselves over time without much, like when you get back, especially with actors, you can get back in touch and be like, oh my God, and then get all the news. Yeah, like, get, get all the crack. See, that that is something, I used to hate that you'd bump into someone that you hadn't seen in 10 years and you'd added them kind of blindly on Facebook. like so, And then all of a sudden, when you met them, instead of it being this joyous kind of like, you know, there's a person in front of you to squeeze and, you know, and actually interact with, that you're like, oh my God, yeah, so... Uh, we were thinking about going to New York to see you were in New York. Like, just these random, like, it, yeah. it wasn't about the person. It was about the things they've been doing or the photographs they posted yeah. or this. And this, again, is probably relevant for the podcast. This kind of weird, like, you know, what do they call them? Uh, avatar that people create. You know, this weird kind of scent, like yeah. false version of themselves. So you have two false versions of people interacting yeah. with that narrative rather than going, how are you doing? In a way that yeah. actually is meaningful. So... Yeah, so that yeah. with Cohen anyway, I think the first time probably people will know we have a baby uh, who didn't know will be this podcast because I had a chat about um, yesterday as well. So it's odd because it does change everything, um, yeah. but also it changes nothing. Like is both those things are great in their own way. No, I think I just think it's fantastic. I just remember you telling me. Uh, I can't remember how the conversation started, but we spoke about it in spotlight. Yeah, I remember it. And, then, and I walked away and I thought, God, I fucking, when people want to have a child and it's really hard. So I just was really hopeful for you always. So when I got that, it was such a lovely moment to get that in an email. And it's also random, to get totally it from random. you. Totally random. Yeah, but to get it from you, it's like, I think that's another thing too. When When everything is being shared just to everyone, like I felt like you, I got the information direct from you and Brona. Yeah, well, you, you know, for me, it I, was my information that you get. Like I've started I, uh, referring to it as dropping the C bomb, uh, which is like just letting people know the cone exists, <laughs> and and it's so much of like a kind of weird, you know, reality warp that people go. So I, I'm what what? Because I think this when we told our families that uh, Brona was pregnant, we travelled home to tell them and. I've I filmed everybody's reactions to it. My mom's is kind of the most amazing and heartbreaking because we have a dog called Gracie and she keeps saying, Gracie's pregnant. And we're going, no, Brona's pregnant. She goes, Gracie's pregnant. And it's one of those things, like I always have these moments in life where I go, if, if a director or writer said, wrote that and said that, you'd be like, that would never happen. But my mom couldn't actually translate Bruna and me, who've been together 20 years and not had kids, and I was 39 and Bruna was 38, we're, we're turning up at home to say, 
we're going to have a baby. And she just couldn't, it did, it, you know what I mean? Couldn't compute it. And then when she did, obviously, then it just went into hyperdrive of excitement and hasn't really stopped. She's been, she's been living with us for the past eight weeks. Um, just because oh, it's so good, and you're home as well. Everyone must be so thrilled that you're back. Look, it's great. Be, it's great being you know isolated at home rather than isolated in London, because we were isolated yeah. in a very different way in London. Like you know, yeah. um, but also I've been here since I was fifteen. So yeah, this is my home. And you have a big. Like, I always said to people, if you've trained at least, and people who train, I think sometimes disagree with this, but if you fail on really hard times, there are probably a handful of people that you went through a traumatic and joyous experience with that you could call upon or you've been in you've been there since you were young so you've had you've made good friends Brody and I arrived for good or for bad as a really well kind of connected couple and so we were probably less engaged with other people which meant yeah. that without realizing it we were actually isolating ourselves from what was going on we didn't really care about going out for the night you know, or yeah. turning up at opening nights or any of that carry on, which if one of us had been single, if we'd been single, we probably would have been out, you know, just to see if we could cop off with someone as much as kind of going, you know, better. I, I also got sober here. Like this is where I did my drinking, my using, my breakdown, my sobriety. So. Your rise to stardom. My rise to stardom. Yeah. My huge rise to stardom. Huge rise. <laughs> Um, and I have to tell you, isolating in an apartment that has like a balcony and oh Jesus, big windows and that has like if I was in that little flat I was in last year, this would be a very different experience because that was like one room. So yeah, I'm very aware. I'm uh, in a really privileged position. You it's know, really, so, I mean, we're the same. Like in that, um, had we been in London. We'd be our last flat in London. We did have a little bit of a garden, and the flat before that, we had a balcony. Um, and the, it's amazing how much a balcony, even when this wasn't happening, was. how much of a difference yeah. it makes. That you don't have to leave and walk to go and find somewhere to sit and have a cup of coffee on a bench. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I keep on thinking about we friends in New York. You were talking about New York. We friends in New York who live in apartment buildings, in studio apartments, on like the seventh floor, and as you say, you know, have to go down. Um, an elevator, and that's what they call lifts and then in America. Walk through they call that America. a city. Yeah, lifts. Yeah. yeah. So, but they can walk through a city. Yeah, they they basically, you know, to get to a park that is only one park. Like yeah. our our park near here is bigger than Central Park. You know, it's a whole. You can walk. It's like being in the countryside a little bit further. Is it the marshes? The is that what that is? Yeah, Hackney Marshes and the wetlands and. Amazing. All along the canal. It's just incredible. We got lost the other day just to have space, you know, like I've had builders working on the roof for the past like 10 weeks. So there's scaffolding on my balcony, which cuts my sky in half. And they took some of the scaffolding away the other day. And I was like, oh, my God, having space. It's like washing your eyeballs. So, yeah, I feel really lucky. I just feel really... Like washing um, your eyeballs. Um, but you know, when yeah, you totally. just feel too much and too tight and awful, and then you just have clear space outside, it just makes... Yeah, I, so, I feel... Really so lucky. tell me then, um, like, what is what has lockdown been? What is it, like, what's been the most difficult thing about it? Well, weirdly, you know, 
so the initial three weeks, I was so productive. Like I immediately got on to how do we create theatre in lockdown? How do I get involved in things that are going on creatively? So the first three weeks, I did three plays, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, the Abbey Theatre did an amazing, like immediately, I, I, I think the immediate thing for me was what's going to happen to the theatre? Like how? <laughs> so, um so it became about having conversations about what we're going to do about theatre for the next couple of years, because it looks like that's probably going to be the kind of lengths of time. Um, but I was really impressed. The Abbey Theatre, our national theatre, um, immediately commissioned 50 writers, 50 actors, and made some work. And, uh, and then Headlong did something. And then I did like the first ever live play online with the guys from Curtain Call. So the first three weeks I was constantly talking to people and and then I had this kind of a dip. It goes in waves, doesn't it? You know, I'm really, really aware of my privilege. So I have been feeling a lot of gratitude all the time. I've also been feeling like, you know, because I'm not on any social media or anything, I have really been connecting with people, but small, a small amount of people, like you realize who you're gonna call in your lockdown because um, I don't want to be in a state of fear about any of this because it's happening. So I have to develop acceptance. Um, and so there's sort of uh, the people I tend to be surrounded by and reaching out to now are people that are kind of, you know, um, trying to be as positive as we can without kind of ignoring the fact that this is quite a massive thing. And then I read this amazing article by a woman. I'll send it to you after this. Um, she's been through a lot of this stuff before, like quarantines. Uh, I think she was a hostage for a while. She talked about the stages of, of, of um, a quarantine. And she was like, you know, this, this productivity porn that goes on, you know, people saying, I'm doing this and I'm teaching my children 16 languages and which just serves to make everybody else feel shit. Burnt um, out. Yeah, and it's not sustainable. And then you shame yourself if you can't continue that level of productivity. So what's the point in that? So she talks about the first stage of quarantine is secure your space. So you secure the area you're in. So my flat, I've got food without panic buying. I've got toilet paper without panic buying. And you and you secure your tribe, your, the people that you're going to kind of work through this with, you know. And then, and she said this beautiful line in it that was like, your beautiful, creative, intelligent, articulate mind is going to be waiting for you at the other side of this. So trying to because in the initial stages you know I signed up for French classes <laughs> I was like I bought a trampoline I was having um I was doing hit sessions I, I'm gonna do I'm gonna all, use this time the thing about that is you can do all those three things at the same time exactly gently man gently just ease yourself in. just just be gentle because I realized then when I hit a wall um it was like, oh, I, I have to accept that we're living through a pandemic here. We're not all on holiday. You know, that's not what's happening. We haven't all just been told, you know, take a break. It's a, there's, our cells are like trying to process the fact that the world is sort of forever changing at the moment. And, and we're all going through the thing, yes, together, but we're going through it in different ways. 
And so honoring the kind of, and then as a woman, also the hormone situation, going through, like getting in touch with all of that in when you're not doing anything else, you have to really get deep on how you're feeling at any given time and then honor that feeling. So I'm trying to take every day as it comes and not judge myself if all I can do is watch six episodes of The Real Housewives. Jesus, Denise Goff, you, I, we all need more of you in our lives, I think. <laughs> it's like, oh, Gee, I, I, I just, I I just breathe deeply for the did. first time in like eight weeks. It's like, ah, oh, it's going to be okay. Keep talking, Denise. Keep talking. <laughs> Just say some oh, stuff. Man. I mean, look, this is like Sunday morning. I've slept well. I feel, you know, I'm feeling good. I mean, I, I think, though, I have always tried to focus on rather than what can I do as an actor in this time? It's like, what can I do as a person in this time to be really gentle to myself? And again, I go back to that thing of if I was a kid and if there are days when I'm really scared, I read too much of the news and I think, oh, God, the whole world is falling apart. How would I take care of a child who scared herself like that? You know, so I wouldn't force her to watch <laughs> 17 hours of more like scary news or find theories about what all this is and I would say maybe we'll go for a walk and like take it easy and and also going through this isolation on my own you know although I don't feel on my own I have I feel like people are so much more willing to connect right now have you noticed everyone's answering their phone and also not just their phone People are answering FaceTime. I mean, if somebody had FaceTimed me four months ago without a plan to FaceTime, there's no way I'm answering that phone. It's, it's a excitement. bit like when your house phone, yeah, oh, when your house oh. phone used to ring, it's like, oh my God, who is calling the house phone? This is, is uh, something bad has happened. Um, but now with FaceTime, like now for me to, it's why when you said we would do this and you said you'd phone me and I was like, no, I'm not going to phone like we have to see each other. <laughs> so now this has made it so I much. This has made it so much better. It's great. Yeah, I can't use just the normal phone now. I, I, the idea of having just hearing somebody in my ear and not seeing their lovely faces. Um, so, uh, so the lockdown for me has been. Somebody coined it the Corona coaster, didn't they? So, um, so yeah. yeah, I try and go with how I feel at any given time. And like last week, I was premenstrual and so I was sad and scared and but you know now I'm able to I'm also able to somebody Michael Murphy this amazing man friend of mine he recommended two books called Wild Power and Period Power so I'm reading Michael them Murphy the actor and director Yes, right, okay. because he has read these books when he was much younger and he knew more about my menstrual cycle than I did. So I'm using this time to learn about all the ways in which What I a channel blind that is. <laughs> Have you read Period Power? Okay, it's so minute. impressive. It's so impressive to talk yeah. to a man, like he's a dear friend of mine, but to talk to a man who knows this stuff so that... Um, I understand like actually the power of my body, what's going on in yeah. my body at the different weeks in lockdown. So the more I honor that as well, that's helpful. So you don't so, feel, you don't feel kind of isolated in some ways, but I guess one of the things that certainly psychologists talk about now is that kind of uh, contact, human contact. 
And that yeah. the, I mean, it, I haven't been touched in two months. So, I so yeah, in, in normal circumstances, that's one of the things that people worry about with the elderly is that even yeah. like a hand massage, you know, that people say, you know, yeah. visiting people and older people give them a hand massage. And one of the reasons mum moved in with us because I was like, she will not cope with not being able to hug people. I just wonder, yeah. um, there aren't a lot of people, I guess, isolating alone. I think the majority are isolating with family or in shared houses. How, how has that affected you, do you think? Um, that is kind of weird. And on my, my lower days, I do feel like, oh God, I just, like I socially distance walk with my friend Kyle and he's like a big bear of a man. And sometimes I look at him and I just think I would fit really perfectly in your arm now <laughs> and uh, and I I can so I I think that I don't know it's it's easier maybe for me than it would be for somebody who's elderly and used to like to be honest with you some at the beginning I was like it's quite nice actually not being expected to touch everybody all the time and also isn't, isn't it kind of amazing that in the world, we were having all these conversations about consent, you know, that was a major like zeitgeist thing, wasn't it? Um, and now in this new situation we're in, you have to ask consent. So I'm going to be like the other night I was thinking, who's going to be my first hug? Like, what's that? Who's it going to be? I can't waste it. <laughs> like, and I was thinking, oh, I wish I was near my niece and my nephews because that's who I'd love to hug now. Mm. And then yesterday was my dad's 80th birthday. And oh. We had like a, we had a Zoom quiz for him last night and we sent him, my sister uh, arranged it all. It was amazing. Like we made these hugs out of like paper or I made mine out of a bed sheet. So you lie on it and draw a hug. And then she decorated the garden with all these hugs from all of us. Because I think that's, like for him, that's what he says is really, really difficult is not hugging. I mean, he has my mom there, but. Um, they don't like each other. So just the ability. Yeah, they don't like each other. <laughs> um, but just the ability to. Um, the choice about whether I want to do it or not is um, is great. But I was talking to a friend of mine who's really famous and and uh, she was like, I was like, it's kind of good for you, though, because now people can't just grab you anymore <laughs> so like and people have to ask if they take a picture and so there's going to be you know there'll be good things that come out of it um definitely trying to see the positives on on all of it but uh but yeah i'm looking forward to hugging and dating and doing all of that stuff well it's open submission season now you've just announced it <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a lot of inappropriate touching yeah um it is kind of I mean, it's such a weird one. This is a defining moment in our in our history and also in our development. It's going to be one of those things that there's PTSD from that, you know, talking yeah, about. Yeah, the mental health tsunami after this is going to be like I, when I think of I have two sisters who work on the front line and um, a brother-in-law and <clears throat> and they're handling it really, really well. But I, I think having to witness all of that all the time, like I watched a clip of a documentary the other day of a nurse who... Um, was taken off her ventilator and survived. And then she walks through the hospital and they're all clapping for her. And I was like, what is it doing to, like, what must it be doing to those amazing people who are, 
it's, who are witnessing it. So yes, yeah, they're the, they're on the PTSD. corona, they're on the corona coaster. They, you know, absolutely. But also, don't you think too, though, like in terms of, we were starting to have much louder conversations about mental health and PTSD and complex PTSD and all of that, and now those things will know as a result of this thing that has come along, those things cannot be ignored. Like it won't be as easy to shove that stuff under the rug anymore. We're going to have to. And the moments that we're having to witness of that connection. So the little babies touching their grandparents' hands through the windows and stuff, what it does force us to do as much as it's horrific that we can't all touch and hug and do, it is forcing us to stand back and witness how important connection is, how important touch is. And I think we were in a state of, like we weren't even using our phones to do the thing that they were designed to do, which is connect us. We were using them sort of to disconnect. Like you talked about the the avatar that we, that is created in social media and all of that stuff. We were using them to take a step back from who we really are, were, and now, I don't know, there's something about this that if it's dealt with in, I don't know, in a holistic way as we move through it, that we can take what we've learned, which I feel certainly like the importance of connection and everything, we can take that back out there when when oh, we yeah. go There's back shit out. tons of stuff that we were taking for yeah. granted. Like I was, like taking, I, I, I was taking peppers for granted. I was taking fucking toilet roll for granted. I was taking the ability to exercise on my own whenever I wanted, yeah. wherever I wanted for granted, to be able to drive to the coast for granted, the sea for granted. Like the list yeah. goes on. I was just taking everything that is given to me on a plate day in, day out yeah. as, totally. a, as a given, as a thing that would always be there. So yeah. only- and now we're being forced to, to, to look into the things that we need, really need. Yeah. What is it that is really most important to me? You yeah. know, and to stop, there was, a, I, I don't know, I think um, I was talking to young actors the other day and I did this talk and they all wanted to know, like, how do you audition? How do you self-tape? And, and I realized I'm so bad at talking about stuff like that. I have no idea. I can't help you with that. And, and, uh, yeah, you're all at auditions. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but I but I don't know the formula and I don't think that that's the important thing to think about I think the important thing right now anyway is to get in touch with who we are as people not as actors like who am I as a person and acting for example is the study of human behavior so I don't think you should study other other actors. You just study yourself and human beings. <laughs> Forget about studying people who have done the acting bit. I want to study people. And yeah. at the moment, there's no better like study than how how am I in isolate like how am I when everything is taken away? Mm. Do I still show up for myself? Do I still believe that I'm worthy? Do I still think like have you, you got angry? Have you got angry? Yeah. So I think everything that happens is either like so. I'm either looking at things from a place of fear or a place of love, and there's like when I'm in fear, it manifests itself in ways that I think are um, are what's going on, but actually they're just a symptom of fear. So if I'm getting violently angry, and I can see, you see it all the time around us, like people are at their edge at the moment, and everybody is coming at this thing from their level of self-awareness like 
So if I'm if I'm out there and things are like I've had days where I've gone out before the lockdown started. I mean, who knows what the fucking lockdown is over here now. But but when everyone's in the park and nobody is wearing a mask in the hardware shop and the guy who's sold who's been in the hardware shop for years is scared because people are like I get angry. But then I realize it's my fear. I'm I'm coming from fear what I'm trying to work on all the time at the moment is acceptance acceptance that things are the way they are and I the only thing I can really do to be responsible is to be as gentle and kind to myself as possible because it's going to trigger all sorts of things here you know not having control for human beings I think is really terrifying and so it's like when you listen to like those really full-on conspiracy theorists they're trying to put control like to control a narrative so that they don't feel so scared I think everyone is just and also everyone is like I had a I I I go to um I had a meeting online and it was zoom bombed have you ever had that yeah I heard about it yeah I heard about a swim event that was zoom bombed with some pornography actually it was on the news it's pretty gross it's pretty scary like the, the the sound that you hear is like a horror movie you know and then there's somebody writing across the screen and I was in a women's group and uh, you know, calling us whores and all, of, and it was terrifying. And even, and so we all left the group and then made it more secure and came back. And now we have this amazing group still, but I, what I realized, even, but even those people, Jonathan are doing the best they fucking can with what's available to them yeah, emotionally. That's, like, ama- that's an amazing way to view that. That's fairly, that's a fairly generous, it a very generous, I- very generous take on that. But it doesn't mean that I approve of what they're doing. And I don't, I I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I don't disagree with but you. I just but yeah. think, what makes a person, like, thank God, thank God I'm not a person that when crisis hits, I have to go into my Attack. computer and terrorize people. Mm. And so if I can just get really clear in this time about how, so witnessing, like be, be in witness to myself. So, oh my God, I, I went out the other day and I was really angry that somebody was picking the wildflowers in our wildflower meadow in, in London fields. I was kind of, oh my God, what are they doing? And yeah. so I had to stand back and go, okay, so what's going on here? And underneath all of that was, I'm just really scared. And I, I'm scared that this is going to be how it is forever. And it's okay to have moments of, fear through a pandemic right it's about about taking notice though isn't it like all these things it's one of those things i think it's one of the things that make me realize that i'm supposed to be acting is that i can't go through any traumatic experience without in the moment going oh right this is interesting how i'm reacting to this like there's something about taking you know but that's the thing, the study of human behavior, you know, you know, but if I'm only studying other people's human behavior, I'm missing the point. Like as an actor <laughs> for me, the most important yeah. human that I can study is myself so that I'm not leaking my stuff onto characters that I play, you know? So if I, if I don't know myself. Leaking um, my stuff. And, what an image. Oh no, sorry. That was kind of gross. Way more <laughs> eloquent than this. And. Um, but like I, but it, but but I bring my fear to a character that yeah. maybe doesn't need that fear, yeah. and you see it sometimes, don't you? People who are kind of so intense in their roles, and you think, I don't know if this is you or the character. I would really like to know that you are able to like separate yourself. The only way I can separate myself from the kind of 
very intense women that I play is, is to know what's mine and what's theirs. And so this whole isolation time is a real um, opportunity for me anyway to really get in touch with. So like last week, for example, when I was really scared and really upset and so emotional, if I didn't know that I was like in the fourth week of my menstrual cycle, I would have thought, oh my God, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. It's just how am I going to support myself through all of these different feelings that I have? I have to be so careful not do to um, think, Do you think myself. this eight weeks has changed you in any way? Like, I mean, that's a big question and also implies that I'm looking for an affirmative and I'm I'm really not. I guess the thing is, I hope it has changed me. I'm not sure that, you know, eight weeks after it's finished, I won't have just gone back to being the person that I was before all this. You know, like, do you, th- do you think this has changed well, you permanently? Honestly, I kind of... Um, I'm sort of okay with the person I was before this. Like, I did a lot of work. I do really? a lot of work on myself. Yeah, yeah you are a bitch. Um, but like I, what, what's, what's been really affirmed to me in this time is that I, because listen, if you knew me 13 years ago, I didn't know how to look after myself. Yeah. I really didn't. I shamed myself constantly. I kind of hated myself. And so in this I lockdown. I was it I met? I met you was 2011, I want to say. My God, that's nearly 10 years ago. It's mental, isn't it? Wow. Bruno and I yesterday in a walk realized that we went to university 20 years ago and it fucking terrifies. Yeah, I know. I can't even. Fuck. Now, like, what do I go to? I did, a, I did a job recently with an actress who's a little bit older than me and um, and we got on set and I was like, wow, isn't it funny? We're not the, the really young ones on set anymore. And she turned to me and she went, yeah, well, how would you feel if you looked over and you're supposed to be those six girls' mother? So, and there's six of the most beautiful, like 20 year old blonde women. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, you're playing their mom, all of them. <laughs> it's like, wow, what happened? But I'm really enjoying getting older in terms of like getting to know myself better. It's great. Uh, yeah. But to go back, to, to, go back to, to what you said, like this lockdown period, what it has shown me particularly is the progress. So it's always progress, not perfection for me. So none of us, I don't, the idea of like perfectionism, I think really can kill people. It can kill their spirits first, but it can actually kill people physically. And I used to have a real problem with it. And now what I'm really happy about in this isolation is that actually the work that I have done over the last 13 years on myself has proven itself to me. It has proven itself that during this time of crisis, yes, I have kind of difficulties within it, but the years of therapy, of self-examination, of self-actualization, all of that, it in this time, it has shown me I, I, I'm, I'm so much better at taking care of myself. And I think when you're able to take care of yourself, really gentle, kind care of yourself, things like this, are 
are somewhat easier, right? If I if I if I believe myself, yeah. it's why I, I don't denigrate the woman I was before this lockdown. I think I was trying to do that anyway, but I was maybe doing it in a more disconnected way. And I think I still, you know, maybe I was, um, you know, looking to work uh, to kind of distract me and all of that. But actually now sitting with myself, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right. Just, I'm just to, to give me a little myself. bit of hope. Do you still find yourself being unkind to yourself occasionally? Occasionally, yeah, but I catch it much quicker. And I have people in my life that that I bring it to. Of listen, it's the critical parent. It's in all of us. It's in yeah, everyone. No, There's that's no my, my thing everything. is like that. Yeah. I just I lose my shit at myself more. More, in fact, I don't lose my shit at other people very much at all that they know about. But you see, it's interesting, isn't <laughs> that it? They know about, but I lose my. Yeah, but that's you know, that's interesting that you think like you know. I won't lose my shit at them, but it's okay to lose my shit at myself. Like putting myself at the, a little bit lower than everybody else. I don't see how that's like, I can lose my shit when, you know, I, it's in my nature as somebody who grew up the, the way that I did. And especially with the teenage years that I had, that when I feel attacked, I, I can get very defensive. And that has looked like various stages of rage over the years, but I have learned to kind of hone it because I think you lose your power when you lose your shit at people. So I do it much, much less than I ever have, but I, I don't hang myself out. I don't, I'm not a doormat, you know? Yeah. There've been a few of those moments over the course of this where I've surprised myself. Like I was quite, quite cross as my mom at one point. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck was, what the fuck was that? You know, yeah, but we're in a pandemic. We're in like we are all operating at our edge. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen in normal times too. But right now, it's not all like acts of kindness going on out there. People are fucking terrified and mm. are trying to get control wherever they can. And sometimes losing your shit is the way you feel like you're doing it. And then afterwards, but this is awareness, isn't it? Brona comes back and she's like, "I didn't feel good about that." No. You know, so. There's the lesson, isn't it? There are people that are just out there screaming at each other and have no idea what that's doing to themselves. They have no idea the adrenaline and cortisol that is rushing through their bodies that mm. then they have to try and sustain. Like, it's really, it's self-awareness, you know? And, and also, I have a trick that I developed years ago for this critical. So I imagine to myself, so in myself, there's like a prosecution lawyer barrister she's fucking amazing but she's really vicious and she i am the accused and so she just can destroy me in my head and she speaks in my voice so it's really confusing so i think that what she's saying is true because it must be true because i'm saying it you know so she lays out the case and in the case i'm always guilty um guilty guilty 100%. guilty guilty but, but then after years of like i kind of developed it with a therapist where I was so so then I, it was pointed out to me that maybe if I just look over to the other side, I have found that there's a defense lawyer sitting there. She also is amazing at her job, so good, speaks in my voice, but way kinder, way more. So she's on my side. And it's like she says to me, I've been here the whole time on retainer, but you just don't let me speak. So can you let me now make a case for you? against the prosecution and so now i have this very schizophrenic situation going on in my head but when that critical prosecution is going fucking nuts at me 
destroying me I go okay I hired you you're there because I let you in and I pay you really well so okay I've heard your side but now I'm just gonna ask this side what she thinks and so at least I give myself a moment of going I can decide I really want to see the courtroom I want to and there's like a judge it's also you it kind of falls asleep sometimes and there's a jury that is just loads of you and there's like there's like reporters at the back that are you they're all shit hot at their yeah, jobs, by the way. Yeah, the girls on the bus as well. They're all I have shit another hot one that's But if you think about it, you wake, so you're going to sleep at night and that voice, or you wake up first thing in the morning and that voice is going nuts. And I choose to believe it in the morning. So I start my day going, yeah, she's right. I am a piece of shit. I'm never going to work again. Nobody loves me. I haven't got a boyfriend or I haven't got a girlfriend. There's all of these, there's all of this information that she has that she uses against me. And then I bring that into my day. So I go out into my day, inviting to me all of these experiences that affirm what this fucking prosecution lawyer is saying. So if I just give myself a, a moment in the morning to, to, to compassionately inquire into what that voice is saying. So I still let the voice happen, but I say, okay, I I hear you, but I'm just gonna offer up this piece of information about me. It just gives you a, a, a kind of, I know it sounds like there's a lot of voices, but it just gives me, um, a way to be on my own team. You know, why does that, why does the loudest, just because she's the loudest, it doesn't necessarily mean she's yeah. telling the no, truth. She's just doing sense. her job. It makes total sense. Um, yeah. And the girls on the bus are all just the versions. I'm driving a bus and I look back and there's all these versions of me and they're all trying to go nuts. So there's the perfectionist, the smoker, the drinker, the drug taker, the like, uh, candlestick maker. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. loads of them. And at any given time, like my job is to try and be kind enough to all of them so that I don't have to go crazy on any one of those various addictions that I can um, dance with. And so I have to be gentle. I think gentleness is just the key for me to everything. So, if I can just be gentle with myself, I have a chance. Um, if you haven't been dancing with any of those things uh, during lockdown, what have you been dancing with? What have been the things... Kind of, well, I have been actually dancing, which has been right. amazing. Um, so I I have a trampoline now, so I use that sometimes. Um, I've been reading, but not... I, I'm reading about 10 different books, and I can only handle about two pages of each of them at any given time, because uh, apparently... The, you're talking... That you, yep, you're preaching to the choir. But that journalist, the journalist I was talking about at the beginning, she said that that is a key thing to remember in lockdown, how your brain is working differently because your brain is trying to process what's going on globally and this massive pandemic. So to ask it to then you're not evolved to be able to cope with. Exactly. So, so gently, gently, like initially I was like, why can't I read? I can't read anything. And then I was like, oh, I can read two pages. So again, gentle. Um, So I do that. I work out but not in the fourth week of my, my, my menstrual cycle because I'm too tired. So really gently, like, although what, this trainer that I'm What are you benching? Oh, just, I, I have a kettlebell. <laughs> I have a kettlebell that's like eight. I'm actually quite fit now. Um, you were uh, always I, fit. I'm actually quite fit now. Yeah, because if you'd ask me, what's one word to describe to this golf? I just said, I just said really unfit. But you were live. You were live. Yeah, yoga. but I was really unhealthy. Yeah, but you did lots so of yoga. I, and well, we used yeah, to go, for, we went for dinner and you always ate healthily. 
I remember. And then I'd go back to my hotel room and like eat seven bags of Percy Pigs. Me, me too. Me too. My, my was, t- tato was my uh, was my thing. Of course, when in Ireland you have to eat tato. Um, yeah. So I do. I stay in touch with people. I have um, like wellness groups that I go to online with some fabulous women. And uh, what else do I do? I do my walks. Um, I was trying to learn French, but I found it too difficult, so I had to uh, stop doing that. Bien sûr. Um, trying to do a class online was just a bit uh, my brain just couldn't couldn't do it so I'll come back to that at some point um a lot of cleaning cleaning cooking um again this journalist was saying you get quite primitive in lockdown it's all quite like the simple I can do the simple basic like cleaning makes me having my flat really clean is really satisfying to me Mm, tidying the nest yeah and then i have like i had dinner on zoom last night with my nephews and niece and my sister and her husband brilliant yeah just stuff like that just what everybody's doing i guess you know i do try to have a session on zoom like an irish music session but unhelpfully unhelpfully it's um what's it called let me just see what it's called it's something like a persistent background noise filter filters out tim whistle which i think is absolutely brilliant (laughs) Persistent. Oh my God, my aunt would be furious because so, she has yes. learned to do this in lockdown. <laughs> so my sister-in-law and her partner were like giving the Dixie and it looked amazing, but total silence. Absolute so silence. Well, we had to have, because there's 11 of us in like just brothers and sisters in my family and my dad and my aunts and uh, nephews and nieces and it, we did the Zoom quiz last night and it was organized fun, like we all had to be muted and you were only allowed to speak when you were unmuted. <laughs> but you just can't, you can't put a family like ours on zoom and not expect that we're going to like, <laughs> there'll be somebody will be fighting at some point um, or whooping or the noise is too much. And so I have done, I do quizzes once every two weeks, my friend, she organizes a quiz. I'm not particularly good at them, but it's quite fun. Um, what's your specialist subject? Like what's, if you're playing Trivial Pursuits, yeah, so it is just like entertainment, like, you know, arts. Yeah, it's good. I mean, we had, yeah, we had to do like a, a section, uh, 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 five questions each. Mine are quite good. Actually. I found some good acting questions. Right. Um, yeah, us, that's my, give specialist. us one, give us, give us an acting question. Go. Who was the very prolific English actor who won an EGOT? Was it Ralph Richardson, Laurence Olivier, uh, John Gielgud, or Peter O'Toole? Give me the list again. Ralph Richardson, Laurence Olivier, John Gielgud, Peter O'Toole. Ralph Richardson every time. John Gielgud. See the way you he couldn't remember. Grammy. You couldn't remember John Gilgood, and I was like, "You don't." That's a classic giveaway if it's multiple choice. You couldn't remember his name. I was like, "It's definitely not him." You're good, no, Goff. You're did good. That on purpose. You're good. Yeah. You're damn good. He won good. a Grammy for speaking Shakespeare. Imagine that. That's for amazing. his spoken word album of Shakespeare. Uh, that's amazing. I know, right? And then the other one, another one was who were the two actors on the boat with Natalie Wood when she drowned? Oh, no idea. Christopher no idea. Walken. 
I just Robert Wagner. Actually, my brother did a really good one last night. He was like, who's the only famous person to win a Nobel Prize and an Oscar? And I answered Bob Dylan. But it was George Bernard Shaw. But Bob Dylan was offered a Nobel Prize and he turned it down. So that's the kind of sneakiness that my brothers and sisters. That's, I like that because I was going to do one and then I thought I'm not going to fucking sit for an hour. We just like the amazing thing about all this is that it's going by so quickly. It gets to Thursday night. We go out the front yeah. door and we're like, where the fuck did this week go? Like where? I know. What, yeah, it's crazy, what? isn't it? But also, you know what? Do you know what I'm enjoying too is like when I do go out in Hackney, um, you start bumping into the same people. You realize the community is all at home now. So, so we've gone very local, like people who would usually be away a lot. Well, I'd usually be away a lot. And actually we're all, our community is, is great. And, and also I can see the city from my balcony and it's so clear. Like I can see the window. You didn't realize the pollution was there, I guess. No idea yeah. in the same way as I do now. I can see how shiny the buildings are in Canary um, Wharf. Somebody sent me this tweet yesterday, so I didn't say it myself. It's a guy called Matt Haig. Yes, lockdown poses its own mental health challenges, but can we please stop pretending our former world of long working hours, stressful commutes, hectic crowds, <laughs> shopping centres, infinite choice, mass consumerism, air pollution, and 24-7 everything was a mental health utopia. Exactly. And I was That's like... So- yeah, totally. So this is just a different, yes, there are but different challenges, are, very that's different. That's what I'm saying, exactly. And now this is giving us time to reflect on all of that. And we will take, I'm hoping, we will take the issue of mental health far more seriously. And we'll take all the other things that are coming up, consent. Men, like, oh, there's so many, pollution. Like, I mean, yes, it's at the moment we're all talking about it, but that things have to change. Like things do now understanding, like a friend of mine was saying, God, I can't believe I ever worked in an office. Why have we got all these offices? We don't need them. The other thing that people have realized though, is that people actually miss their offices. Now what they miss really is space, headspace. Yeah. But they also miss people, colleagues. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And equally for us as well, you know, the Abbey thing as great as it is, like you get the act, but you don't get the, act with other people and that's Listen, kind of, that's if, what it's if, all about if the acting if the theater is going all online i'm in serious trouble because like i want people standing up and clapping for me <laughs> i don't want to close my laptop screen and be in my kitchen after i play medea no you know? no absolutely not no, we'll see- get back at some point to to a different kind of version of what all that is, because I think that we will take into consideration how much we need each other, you know? Mm. I, I, I hope so, anyway. Well, Peter Hall um, said years ago, um, we were doing a very bad version of Julius Caesar when I was at college, and uh, <laughs> Peter Hall uh, came along. Don't exp- can't explain why this happened, but he came along to rehearsals, and then we... <laughs> At an evening opening, official opening of a theatre space, we performed the section. The most embarrassing point of my career now looking back, because we were all uniformly terrible. And, <laughs> and uh, but he he had to give a, a uh, he had to give like a like a keynote address, I guess, or a, a kind of speech. And he was talking about the relevance of theatre. And this is two thousand two thousand, right, January two thousand. And he was talking about the relevance of theatre. And at that point, everybody was going, theatre's becoming increasingly irrelevant and 
you know, same way as the Nationals are going to struggle because its audience group are the people most at risk. You know, the people isolating for longest are the people who normally go and sit in Littleton and that's a big problem, right? But he was saying, as we move towards a society where opportunities for communal activity decrease, that people will increasingly turn to communal pursuits like the theatre, like, so. like cinema, because Netflix won't kill cinemas. No, no more, th- no more than lockdown online theater will kill that need to go and yeah. sit in an auditorium and experience something as a community and applaud Denise Goff as a community. If her oh day is any, if her day is any good, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I also, it, I think it makes um, that it's bringing all of this to light. Like I've always thought when I did that, um, the People, Place and Things play, I was what I was so aware of on stage every night was how you cannot substitute. Like there is no substitute. It is the last bastion of connection. And I've thought about it so much over lockdown in terms of like other art forms, the artists themselves don't really have to be there for you to like connect with their art. But in terms of, but theatre and also my friend who's a musician, like um, you have to be there. And I think people, whether they like it or not, they crave that. They just do. And and when we did that live piece online recently, we did a Tom Stoppard play and we had a stage manager and she like opened the house on Zoom. And it was such a weird feeling because I could feel people these people... Up. Yeah, I, I mean, we couldn't see them, but I I could feel that feeling of when you're told the house is open and the people are coming in. Like, and, and, and I think that these Zoom things work when everybody comes to the virtual room with a desire to connect because it's energy, right? So, but there is no substitute for like being in a theater space all together making the art happen like theater only happens with an audience yep you know that's why they're the most important thing yep. peter Brooke like i was saying to my that. friend this, my, my friend is a singer and i saw her last gig in greece and i and we were talking about how like she's like i don't know when we'll tour again or do anything and i was like but imagine that first night imagine when it's safe for us to go into a space like that just imagine, I swear to God, I better be up on this stage in one of the first performances. <laughs> imagine how amazing it's going to feel when we all sit together again. <gasps> oh, my God. As long as people don't get too excited not be shit. And, and go back to the American thing of anytime anybody they recognize walk on stage, they get a round of applause. Like that does my absolute brain in. Yeah, me too. I think that should be stopped. Um, it should be stopped but I but I honestly I do I am um, yeah, yeah that, that, that will be amazing can you imagine it that really will be better amazing. that will be yeah. amazing listen Great. I've taken enough of your Sunday morning I'm sure you want to go and watch Sunday Brunch on Channel 4 um, sure I do <laughs> it's, a, it's a hollow promise now that they're not in a studio I have to say so difficult but it's gonna be, it's, it'll be interesting because even like people who think that shows are about them and all of that they're now realising oh Actually, I the audience is kind of important. If I don't have an audience, so I think that I'm hoping that people's egos are all getting leveled out now too. You know, and realizing mm, maybe I kind of and do you know what the biggest thing for me though is is also is our value system on what on where we place our heroes is 
changed forever, I hope. Like, I stand in the street and clap for the bin men as they pass <laughs> because, like, we spent a long time and, and I think Instagram and social media did this where they, we kind of deify people who do get to do jobs that they love and get paid a lot of money for them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we then idolize them. And now what I'm hoping is we realize, and also in the wake of Brexit, you know, we're now witnessing a country that is entirely held up by immigration. It is entirely all the people that are doing the jobs that we need to keep our system intact as we go through this are all from other places. I mean, it is quite incredible to me, the the kind of lesson that we are learning in this. And then of course, NHS, the very people that were clapping when the nurses didn't get their pay rises. Like now to think they're the heroes, the celebrities, it's now, it was, we went through an age, like the, it's like the celebrity goes through different ages, doesn't it? We went through the, there's the movie star age, the model age, the athlete's age. And now finally we're at the age that it really is, which is the people who do jobs that do save lives, you know? That matter, yeah. And it really matter. I hope they have money thrown at them now after this. But anyway, I, I am. Um, so I love you, Denise Goff. Oh, I love you too, Jonathan. Hardy. I very much and love you. And I love I love to talk to you. And you have put a spring in my step today, I have to say. Um, oh, so I'm going off into Sunday feeling like, yeah, I can't be kinder to myself. Yeah, you deserve to be kinder to yourself. Thank you, Denise. So, like I said at the top of this, this is the beginning of something I hope perhaps a series for who knows. Definitely some more lockdown-themed chats. I have about half a dozen lined up over the next few weeks. I haven't had those chats yet. I'm going to try and have them in the few days before they go out so they're as live as possible. I'm responding to the ever-evolving situation around us at the moment, but also hopefully some more brand new chats like the ones that have gone before. So, if you're interested, there are another three pieces of audio up today. Tom Goodman-Hill's Lockdown Chat, plus brand new interviews with Tara Lynn O'Neill and Jam Westman. So, keep on listening. Thanks for your continued support. And I'll be back again next Friday, fingers crossed, all being well, with a little bit more of the same. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. So just to finish too, though, now that you have no, it's a, over. a child, it's over. It's done. but now that you have a child, you'll see when you, how you speak to him, that's how you need to speak to yourself too. Kind, kind, kind. He's amazing. He's brilliant. He's wonderful. That's what we all are. If we... Look, look. I can jump that high. <laughs> oh my God, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> no i did it because it's really good for your arse and it makes you feel like a kid like you can't bounce on a trampoline and be in a bad mood you just can't actually like if you're gonna be a kid kids love trampolines ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 